everyone. This is Zach with EM Weekly. I am joined by Jacob Saltzman. Jacob is going to tell us all about his experience at Burning Man. Uh, and for everyone that's been paying attention, Burning Man this year uh, was a, as it always is, it's a unique experience. But in this year in particular, uh, very unique with the rain and uh, all of just the general wildness of Burning Man. Jacob, thank you for joining me. Uh, Jacob, <laughs> so first off, we already recorded an episode and it just uh, it went sideways so we are starting fresh anew so he's got it all in his brain now and we're gonna go right into it jacob thank you for joining me uh first and foremost how did you get involved in medical services and how did you get into burning man well thanks for having me great introduction um it's the second one i've done today (laughs) how i got into emergency services was was a random event um it was really just one Facebook post. I'll say that it was, uh, one, one good Facebook post in 2017. Um, somebody had sent, sent to me, um, I wasn't really on Facebook that much, but somebody was like, knew I had interest in it. And it was, uh, for an ocean rescue position down in, on this like County in North Carolina. So <clears throat> I already been a lifeguard a little bit. Um, so I was like, Oh, it's going to be. So anyway, I get down there. And um, my interview was with uh, like four or five like fire chiefs from uh, this county in North Carolina and uh, definitely coming in hard, you know, de- some serious fire chiefs. They're super nice guys. But I, I quickly realized like this wasn't just like lifeguarding by the pool. And um, we had about 20 miles uh, of area to cover and we give or take 20 miles. And we um, we uh, we went to like medical calls and ocean rescue calls. So I was like, oh, we're just going to be busy with ocean rescue. And, um, Little did you we only know. went to like high level medical calls. Yeah. Um, and, um, just rolling up on calls really that I had no experience being and, and, and really no business probably being at, at that point at all. I, yeah. I was, you know, <laughs> CPR, yeah, trained and it was good at ocean rescue, but, uh, you know, that, that, that was it. And, and we were paired up sometimes with the EMTs and the ambulances would show up, but, that time frame when we were just there um, was was a little was challenging and kind of pushed me to learn more and get more into EMS and ended up really liking it, but um, didn't like the element of not knowing. And I like and a lot of it is just how you engage with people right in those settings and talk to people, the softer skills beyond the clinical skills. Um, so, yeah, that's how I got into it. We'll be right back after this quick break for ads. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at Doberman. You ran with UVM Rescue, uh, which I think still pats itself on the back as being the only fully student-run rescue. You ran pre or a uh, hospital transportation system, um, yep. you know, the biggest in uh, the state of Vermont. Uh, yep. You uh, interned on under potentially one of the best emergency managers that's ever existed. This guy. Definitely the best. Uh, Definitely. And uh, and I so it was funny the way that we sort of connected initially, um, you know, you were I think 
kind of maybe getting burned out of EMS or something. There was like just this little like blip where you're kind of like, I want to try something different. I was looking for an intern. I knew you through rescue. You reached out to me at that time. I was the advisor for UVM rescue. And, uh, you were like, cool, uh, let's try this out. And, uh, I remember you being, so speaking of like the communications, like you were very sort of just like comfortable in the environment, which I think is really, really important for EMS. And like the people that like, I've always sort of looked up to the paragods in my life were those folks that like could go into any situation and just sort of chat, like, cause it's such an important part of EMS. I hate, you know, there's the the folks that like clinically amazing, right? Like they've got all the skills. They're the ones wearing the vest with all the gadgets and everything. And they're the best, but they can't talk to people. Right. And, uh, so much of just that conversation is like, uh, part of the treatment process, right? Like, I mean, there's a, there is a, you know, it, it, it alters their outcome. If you are, if you can talk them down, it could potentially save their life. Like there is real medical need to talk to people. So I noticed that, uh, in you, and then we're going to talk about like what you did after the internship and left, because you did a, a huge amount of COVID response around the country, uh, that I want to talk about, but more importantly, and more cool is you were also a like emergency manager slash safety advisor slash medic on TV and movie sets across the country actually around the world. Uh, yeah, I didn't even, I'm not even blowing you up enough. Uh, it was around the world. Um, so we're going to have Jacob back on for that, but for today, we're going to talk about burning man. So I'll, I'll give you my perception. I've not been to burning man. I actually know, uh, quite a few people who've worked their way through the black rock, uh, emergency services division. Some folks who worked in like emergency management, some who've been responders, um, as an outsider looking in, it is like, it's this just, I don't know, it's almost indescribable event. Um, and when I try to, you know, when I talk to these folks and, and have talked to you about it, it can be really hard to sort of appreciate how unique of an experience it is. So first and foremost, lead us into Burning Man. How did you even find out how many times have you been there? Um, and what was the process to sort of getting onboarded. Yeah. So I originally, um, found out about Burning Man in 2020. Um, I was working at the UVM medical center in that critical care transport and the, the helicopter and the ground units. And the, the interest really sparked when the first conversation I had, the lady that I was speaking to couldn't really, the recruiter couldn't really give me a definite of what this was. Right. So it was, <laughs> And it was, it was just captivated even more because like, there was no absolute answer to my questions. Obviously there's no ever absolute, sure. there's no absolutes in EMS of like, what kind of calls we to run? But it was really like, where, like, like my question, where are we staying? Like, do we get food? Like that? And, and it was always like, a lot of it revolves around, you got to roll with it and the roll <laughs> to flow. And like, you just kind gotta, of, you yeah, kind of like, get to stay here. You kind of get yeah. food. It was it was a lot of that and 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 what um what it was all going to look like and really what that says is that it's it's such an evolving environment and things change that you really have to be dynamic and just straight off the bat like if if anybody has the opportunity especially if you're in the EMS world to work at Burning Man like I would say take it it's a great experience just from the the acuity level but just from the 
pushing yourself to work in an environment that's as dynamic as that is, is a great experience. Yeah. And talking um, about the environment, like there's a lot of sort of unique challenges. It's an austere environment. Like I imagine it's sort of is similar to like military, you know, EMS where you, nothing is really permanent there, right? Like even the clinic or the hospital that's there, like it's all built for this event and then kind of packed up and, and goes away. Right. Yeah, it's all temporary. Everything out there is temporary. They're really big on like leave no trace out in the desert, especially where we are. Um, and yeah, it's all built. The, the The hospital is built. It's a lot of like tents and, and there's one like ICU trailer, we call it. Um, it's all brought in. Everything, generators, air conditioners, ambulances, every, everything is brought in. Um, it's tough. The environment's really tough on the, the equipment, though. I mean, full-time mechanics working on the ambulances, the air conditioners, that's the whole, it's a, just to keep it running and, and, and everything like that. So. Yeah. And for people who aren't familiar, uh, Burning Man takes place in the Nevada desert. Um, I think you said it's like two to three hours from Reno. Uh, so yeah, significant. About two and a half hours, yeah. yeah. And then uh, there's a airstrip on site, um, you know, which is also, it's just a dirt strip, right? It's built for this again. Um, and those structures, uh, and so you are kind of there, right? So like if you, uh, you, you were talking, um, about, you know, what you have to bring. So how does that, like, were you told what stuff you need to purchase yourself or bring with you and then what they would have on site? Yeah. So in terms of like the personal needs, we get they, the, the organization that was like contracted through, they, um, you know, they give you a list, but I would say like the best knowledge you're going to get is like going one year and failing for Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> like not How many years have you been there, by the way? That, this is my first year in 2020. Okay. We um, like COVID happened, you know, this yeah, is yeah. about we were. I was having a conversation with them in like January or something like that, um, which was fairly early on. And then and then, you know, everything started unraveling and ended up like going a different direction um, in the COVID response stuff. But um, so definitely like experience of, of, of going once or finding someone that's been right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the key. And, and really what it is, is like, I mean, obviously work every day, we're pretty much wearing the same thing every day, you know? Um, but just bringing like changes of clothes, like, especially like expecting the stuff that you're going to bring is going to just gonna get destroyed. Like pretty much all my stuff got completely destroyed. <laughs> the dust is everywhere. Like you can't really, everything yeah, what is are like- covered in dust. What about temperatures, like uh, kind of the typical weather for the area? So it typically does not rain as much as it did this year. It rained twice, one before the event and then. And then the famous one now. (laughs) Yeah, the famous one. Um, uh, Temperatures during the day are hot. I mean, it's in the 90s, 100s, um, but at night it cools down. And the key there is shade, really. Like if you find shade during the day, like that's like it can drastic change in temperature. Um, but it's, it's really hot. It's, it's, it's a hot environment to work in. Like the sun is beating down. Um, like respiratory is a big, like a, a big factor just cause dust storms, you know, everybody riding around bikes, the wind picks up all that dust is, it blows up and very easily can get no whiteout. I mean, just driving around, even going to calls, like you can't see like a foot in front of you. Cause it's so, oh, wow. um, yeah, you're just, and you just, you just stop really. If it gets that bad, you just, you just stop. Um, bear in mind, like the response max speed for response is 10 miles an hour. So you're yeah. not going faster than 10 miles an hour at any time. Five is the standard. 10 yeah. is if you're like going to a call. Yeah. How big is the city? 
ish. I I don't have the exact like specs of it, but uh, like the exact like um, I'm sure it's 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 somewhere. But like to give you an idea to like let's say driving from one side to the other, yeah. probably t- like it would take us probably like half an hour at this. Oh wow! We okay. Yeah, like, at the speeds we're going, it, it could take you. It could take you a little while to get there. Um, but it's all based on the radio, right? So you have the man at the center. And then yeah. you have different radios. So the dispatcher will give you like a, you know, a radial and then a street name and the street names change every year. And then once you understand kind of how they, they give you a, a location, it's fairly um, easy, but it can take you a little while. So they track us yeah. and they just send the closest unit. So, yeah. And, uh, how, like what other sort of like preparations, like, uh, did you have to like learn the map before you got, I mean, cause it changes every year, right? There's new, installations uh and it's pretty dynamic too like stuff changes like stuff goes up it comes down uh so like was there a lot of like prep needed for you before you arrived just to be like familiar or is it really like on the job training for the most part you know there is an app that is made by these guys out out in san francisco called of course there's an app yeah (laughs) i've heard of this actually yeah yeah and iburn's cool but also like google has black rock city on their thing and Ivern, what's cool is that they put in a lot of data into it. Um, yeah. The they put a lot of data into it, um, which can kind of give you locations. But for me, like I work best by like going and seeing once, right? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, and and a lot of it is relative. And Burning Man especially is like there's a lot of terms that people use that until you've been there, you've seen it, you understand it, you will not know, right? Yeah. It's a lot of like a lot of just familial terms people don't use their real names too right they, they they use playa names and you can often have people that give you playa names only no name right even patients so a lot of it is familial language so like the training i would say is really looking at iburn and then like hopefully when we start up we try to get paired up with somebody that's been there before and then you just kind of drive around my key was like let's go drive around like yeah at first, when it first started, when they first started building it, when we showed up, we were only had one ambulance, especially during the buildup. We only had one unit. Um, and so what really that meant is we could drive around anywhere we wanted to go and just kind of see things, find out where, where things were and the names of things. And that's that's really what's crucial. It's it's how it's your ability to kind of like scope out your environment and understand it. And I think that's like a really, if you have that skill, that's, that's, that's what the, that's what you should do. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and then I guess, so like, what is that sort of structure? So you fall under, so black rock city is like essentially the government, you know, entity, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, for burning man. And then you belong to the emergency services division or ESD, and then yeah. what other agencies, like how do you interact with other agencies? Like who is there as far as like the response? Um, yeah. Cause I know there's a lot of volunteers and stuff. So ESD is a pretty big division of Black Rock City or of the Burning Man project. And underneath that you'll have, so ESD you'll have the, vo- there's like the volunteer, um, um, there's the volunteer emergency response side and we fall under that like division of ESD. So, um, and, and the way that works is that you have a, uh, initially when, from what I understand, um, when, 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 uh, Burning Man started, it was all like a volunteer based emergency um, response. And 
you know, as it grew, it, it became into more of a, uh, required more, a higher level of care. But what's interesting about the ESD folks, especially the volunteers is that, um, is that a lot of them are like, you know, you could be talking to a trauma surgeon, you could be talking to a flight nurse, like they, they're, the level of experience there is amazing, right? It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not a low, uh, like scope, but it's nobody not a is, surf rescue guy from North Carolina who exactly. is the first, <laughs> <laughs> first day on the job. No, yeah. it's, it's definitely like, there's some years of experience there, but no one's flashing their cert. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's, nobody's no like, trying to be like, yeah, there's none of that. And there's around Black Rock City, there's um, there's ESD stations at various radials around and um, they kind of serve as like, let's say, first aid points. Um, and uh, we would be sometimes stationed there and just talking to some of these people that were working there or volunteering there, excuse me, um, like really just picking their brains about the whole situation. And then they just they were a lot of them like just enjoy being there. And it's it's a way for them to get into Burning Man. You know, you do like get a free, get free, uh, entry after the first year, I believe. Um, and it's a great like way to get involved. You know, some people just to pick up two shifts and then they do, they're done or, or whatever the minimum is for them. Um, but we would work hand in hand with them. And then within that ESD station, um, you know, there was the, there was a fire, there's fire out there, uh, fire department. Um, and then there's the BLM Rangers and then there's, um, you know, there's other, other further support staff within that response yeah and do you know uh like so i'm assuming there's some sort of incident command system you know structure that exists there um you know how are are there a lot of sort of like outside agencies like i i I would imagine just based on sort of the concept of burning man there's they probably don't want like federal agencies there or a ton of law enforcement but like you have to have some of that stuff there for like the purposes of coordination and sort of like management right yeah, so it is so in terms of the law enforcement and the federal agencies, it's um there's the BLM, the BLM Rangers are there. Um and then there's also like the local the I think it's Pershing County Sheriff's Department is there. So there you know there is a in terms of vehicles, there's a good amount of uh there's a good there's a good presence, right? But the you know, I would stress like the interaction maybe that you would see on like see an EMS between law enforcement and EMS crews on like a now one call, let's say in, in an urban urban response system is, is, is quite different because like here um, there's less of a, there's less involvement. Let's say that like, you know, we go to a medical call, they're standing way back. Like there, there's a real, like if someone's having like a bad, bad trip, like let's say they, they're not really, I've been in situations where it's a lot of it's like, well, let's, let's you know, let's arrest them. That's it. Right. That's not happening yeah. here, really. You yeah. know, I mean, again, their discretion, their 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 situation with all that. But, you know, I've had situations where, you know, officers are hopping in the ambulances and getting involved. Like it's a really it's it's a support structure. It's a it's a support structure. It's really like we're here to support you with what you're doing here and the movement. And that's I can't stress that enough how it's like that's part of the reason why I recommended people like get involved if they can is because like it's a completely different culture to um to emergency response it's it's a completely different culture um in, in a really good way uh, there's so many more res- there's a lot more resources for people you know, again i use the bad trip as an example right it's it, there's resources to not have to go to the hospital if it's just like someone needs to watch them there are resources that burning man provides outside of the medical world just for someone to sit there and watch them um called zendo and they have like different camps around Black Rock City. Um, again, like 
big supportive role. Um, and a lot of it is just talking to people and engaging with them. And how has that changed your view of like, you know, you, you have time in 911 system response and interhospital transports and, and other sort of environments where you're doing medical response. Did this impact you in a way that like you're going to bring stuff back to that or that you wish we had built into our EMS, uh, you know, system in the U S you know, Definitely. I mean, this in this this experience that I had has already started impacting me way in in ways that um, like I didn't think about it before. And um, even though now, like, I mean, I still do a, some now on response, you know, here and there for different contracts and then strike teams and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> I think the 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 element that it brings is that I think, and you mentioned this before about getting burnt out. I mean if you're so used to your process, right. And your and, and, and your, your tolerance to, you know, hear someone's story, let's say you have like someone you see frequently in the now one system and you're just like, Oh, you know, like same, same, same thing, different day. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. in this environment really stresses that, you know, maybe for you, it's same thing, different day, but for your patient, like it can be their worst day of their lives. Right. And, um, like taking the time, slowing it down, like really going back to the thing of everyone's an individual. Um, everybody's having an individual like problem. Like it, 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 that's what stresses me to like, to change my ways. I mean, I, I'm not very set in the, that type of clinical experience. I mean, I, I'm a sure. really definitely like, let's talk about this and like trying to relate as or trying to get on that level up with a patient. Um, but it, it definitely like, stresses and, and pushes against the norms, let's say, of standardized, like standardized run of the mill now one. And I mean, it's hard because it takes more time. You're going to run less calls. You're going to talk to more people. You know, there's less, there's less roughness. There's less like, you know, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know, that, that kind of thing, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And I guess what kind of calls, uh, you know, are you experiencing while you're there? And then how does that process work? So you get notified of an emergency. How do they sort of progress through the system? And then like, if they need to get to that, you know, definitive care offsite, you know, how does that happen? Yeah. So, um, starting from the top, like on communications aspect of it, there's, there's very limited self-service at Burning Man. There are first net towers. Um, so if you have first net, um, it, you will, you will have phone service. I mean, first net, um, please sponsor me. Thank you. Bye. There you go. Um, 5g, they had towers on the mountains, like surrounded. Cause it's in a, it's almost like in a, like the, the, the salt lake, the, 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 the bed, the lake bed, dried up lake bed is in a valley almost, almost let's say that. Yeah, yeah. And so there's different, the roads kind of go around it. Um, so it was, if you had that, you had good coverage. Um, the, a lot of it works via radio, a lot of like the, the different departments, cause there's a lot of volunteers and the majority of the volunteers have one or even two radios. There's probably there's thousands of Moto Turbo radios out there. And um, on one of the, there's a channel that's just 911. So essentially using the radio, anybody can call it in, call in some sort of call via the radio um, dispatch. That's one way. The other way is that people self-present to one of the ESD stations, um, which is one of the first aid stations, or um, they find a Black Rock Ranger or a BLM Ranger. The Black Rock Rangers are not law enforcement. They're like mediators. Um, they deal with like crisis intervention, especially like uh, like uh, mental health, first aid, things like that. They're, they're trained for that. Um, and it can come through that element. People can also use their phones, you know, if they're able to get um, yeah service if it, if it switches over. Um, but that's typically how it comes through. Um, 
initially it's triaged um, by the dispatcher. Um, and again, we're all tracked is a big thing. Um, so the we're part of the Delta units, which are all the transporting ambulances. And then there are the QRVs, which are run by the ESD volunteers. Um, and on those QRVs, I mean, you have like flight nurses, paramedics, you know, it's not a low level of care on the expertise level. It's just um, the uh, Delta units can administer for the level of care. They can administer drugs, things like that. Um, yeah. Versus the QRVs that just don't have that scope um, but by the state, not by their abilities, by the state. Um, so QRV goes, if they need, if it's escalating or needs some sort of higher level of care, that's triaged, that's, you know, then they request an ambulance unless it's already viewed as high acuity by the dispatcher, in which case we would go um, transport the patient to the hospital. And then sometimes if, you know, it's high acuity, sometimes it's just, they see the doctor there, the doctor orders the flight crew and the, there's already, there's a fixed wing aircraft um, sitting on deck there. That's part of the whole response model that's stationed there. So the flight crew sleeps at Burning Man um, and they, they rotate out of Reno. Um, but so the process of like, if somebody comes in, they present, they need to be flown. It's a, it's, there's no, there's not really a delay for, you know, a flight needs to be requested, whether all that stuff, it's already there. Um, yeah. And uh, they can fly during the day and then they can fly at night. Most, it closes at night, but uh, that aircraft can take off at night. And what are the, like, I guess the call volume, like, is it, uh, is it pretty busy and what types of calls are you dealing with? It is pretty busy. Um, we scale up as the event goes on of how many ambulances we have. I believe it maxes out at like seven ambulances. Um, so when there's less, obviously we have more calls, but it is, it is, it is fairly busy. Um, the types of calls range from, um, I mean, just because we're there doesn't stop the usual stuff. Right. So, right. You know, it's common medical st- issues that people have, um, yeah. Strokes, STEMIs, um, things like that ha- happen. Um, I would say the more the, the unique or call, the calls that are more unique, especially in my experience, are um, uh, like the psychedelics and the drug interaction. Things that like – like uh, psychedelics. You went to I've UVM, never, all right? You definitely saw some of that stuff. <laughs> definitely saw some of it, but there, there were things that I, I have, I, you know, I had, had not seen and it was more of like, how does this present? How do we treat yeah. it? Right. Yeah. And that was a interesting challenge for me. Um, uh, and like progressing and, and where's it going. And, and even the part where there was, you know, there was there, um, not to us, but to the supervisors, there was, um, there was just like, just like short seminars of, of, of how these drugs present by some of the doctors just so that oh, we wow. can interact with it. Yeah. It really like uh, definitely an educational sphere, um, is present there with some of the attendings and there's a resident program as well. So just given the type of calls, the acuity that comes in, um, it's a big, uh, a big learning experience. And I, I think it really should be. Uh, so some lessons learned coming out of it, like stuff that you're going to take away. Um, you know, actually, no, before we get to that, uh, there was some significant rain events that occurred this year. Uh, the tail end of it was really significant and there was a lot of people sort of stranded there. What did that sort of like impact your, your response? Like how did you guys sort of deal with that? Um, you know, Zach, I'm just going to back up. It might be interesting for folks to kind sure. of research themselves, but yeah. one of the psychedelics that we ran into was this is Nepalese honey. And, oh, um, oh yes, I've heard of this. <laughs> you heard, and I, I had not heard of this, but it, it, I just will put it out there because it's there's a great there's a Vice documentary about uh, these uh, 
people like a short web I think that maybe is where I heard about it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And just, uh, that was, uh, something that, you know, kind of heard through interactions with people talking to, and then also people, some people presented with that. So, um, and, and how that interacted with, with everything. So, um, it definitely interesting if to read up on it, it's definitely like, uh, 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 an in-depth conversation. So I would say refer to the literature because I'm, I'm not <laughs> enough. Well, I'm not well-versed on it enough beyond how I saw it for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. Um, yeah. Mad honey. But yeah, exactly. Mad honey. Yeah. Um, and the synthetic version of it. So anyway, um, what was your other question? Oh yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, we're gonna, uh, we'll, we'll come back to sort of like, uh, I think some of the stuff you took away from this, but, uh, just to sort of reiterate some of the stuff you said earlier, but also like, you know, the really practical stuff, but, um, there was also a, a significant weather event that occurred at the tail end of this. That is like pretty. So again, you're in a desert, you're in Nevada, uh, rain is not uncommon, I guess, but not very common, certainly to the scale. So, uh, with this, there was a lot of mud and people started getting stranded. And I'm wondering sort of like, what was the impact of that on your response and how did you guys deal with that? Yeah. So, um, when the rain started, it was, um, I can't remember which day it was exactly, but, um, the rain, um, like it started slowly and I goes on a night shift that night and, um, about six, seven o'clock, you know, it's, it started very, becoming very apparent that none of the ambulances were going to move. I mean, we had, you know, the two wheel drive ambulances, they're not going anywhere. Um, and, um, are you getting so, like weather reports from like a, from like your dispatch or an emergency operations center or something like, did you see this coming? So directly to me, n- no, but also bear in mind, like I'm yeah. not high up on the, like the, the management, like sure. side of things, right? Like we we're you know, listen to the radio, like that kind of thing. But a lot of it was our, our supervisors and within like our camp or is, is near the hospital. So we're kind of all one like compound. Um, and so a lot of it was just coming through us from our, from our huddles, our team huddles. And that's, that's largely how we would communicate, especially the start of the shifts and the shifts. And so we didn't have, have a response model from like, uh, uh, from, from within the Delta units, um, between about six to maybe like one thirty two in the morning, um, because, uh, we were using the ambulances and, um, at two in the morning, we transferred over to, um, um, QRVs, like ATVs, uh, Polaris ATVs. Um, the, the, there was a ground stop, let's say put on in, Black Rock. So nobody during the time from about seven o'clock till when we started driving, there was a complete ground stop. And there was a ground stop after it. What that meant is that the only people that really could drive around were, were, were us once we got these vehicles. And we were only, we weren't patrolling. It was only call base that was triaged. Um, and um, the, so really us and the BLM Rangers were able to, to get around, but because more people drive worse, it gets, that's really what happens. Like you, you might not, then that's, that's largely the problem with this is people like, if they try to leave, like it just makes it worse. Right. Like just digging up all that mud, people, even people walking around makes it worse. Right. Like you can't stop people from walking around, but it, that's really what makes it, makes it bad. Um, and so once that the dawn broke is kind of when in my feeling, it was a little bit like, like I wasn't necessarily worried. Like I was in it yeah. for my person. You know sure. what I mean? Like I, I've been in environments, like it's not really like 
people, you know, th- there's the, there's the, there's the major news outlet representation of it, but like, what's the actual sentiment on the ground? Like I wasn't necessarily where, like I personally was in a good environment, right? Like had a place to sleep. Yeah. You know, like had food, had water. Living right? life. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, we're just, we're, we're doing this thing. Right. Um, but I could, when we would go to calls, like you could, first of all, like there was no other vehicles out. We were the only vehicle out. Um, and you could just see on people's faces that they were a little bit at the start, they were a little bit like unsure, yeah. you know, it's like, and especially when you it's see different. like, it's different and, and it's, a, and it didn't last very long. I'll say that like these people, the, the, the sentiment, right. Uh, that I, that I personally saw, right. Um, because it, it went from this like really, really, really stimulating like event, um, project to like this rain event, rain event where people like there's this person that came up to us when we were responding to another call. They weren't affiliated with our call. They were like, Hey, like I got to get home because my dog dog sitter is going to like not be there if I don't eat now. Like, what am I supposed to do? And again, it's not in my purview. Like I'm not, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. but I, I, and the point of the point of saying that story is that like, when like for these people, like that was very important to them. Right. Like that was like, like you could just see the distress. Yeah. Like on their face. And, and I think, and I probably have like a handful of those interactions with people. Um, and, uh, I think that was the most, like, that was stark. That was pretty like surreal just to see that, like to see that change. Um, but then it kind of like, People started like in the culture of Burning Man, it's like people started like getting okay with it pretty quickly. Like this is our situation, like we're here, like people were still out, like socializing, partying, doing their thing, like it perceived per, like the persistence of, of of maintaining this common goal and um and, and as people woke up, you know, there's more communications. There's an FM radio station out there that really is is made for like pushing out information because people, you know, don't really communicate with cell phones, like they use they have a Twitter account or X, um, to, uh, to communicate. So it, it, the communication flow was great really from the, from like the, the, the organization, um, what was really good. And like, they brought in more cell towers, um, as the days progressed, they would, uh, like we, um, like it just, it just adapted really. It adapted. And, um, there were people that were leaving, you know, just getting out during the, at night. Um, like, you know, if they had a, four wheel drive. Some of the people got out like after a couple days. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, I guess the best way to put it. I mean, it's you're, you're downplaying it to a degree. There was essentially 70,000 people stranded in a desert where for a period of time, it wasn't clear how people were going to get out. And as responders, you know, the ambulances aren't really moving. I'm sure like, you know, it's, it's one of those things like when you're in a city, right? Like you see ambulances going around and stuff. If all of a sudden you stop seeing that, you'd probably be like, Whoa, this is something is really, really different going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously again, probably like the mindset of burning man helped a lot of these people sort of through this because it is an austere environment anyways. And people in many cases are just inherently winging it, uh, at the event. Um, but it could have been fairly significant. And there was at least one person that died during this period. 
Um, you know, so, I mean, it's a, it was a, it was a big deal. I, I think, I, I guess I'm, I'm curious. Cause like, I'm looking at it from the outside and I'm like, I, I was like, wow, this could really suck. Like if, you know, like there's, I mean, what do you do? Like if this goes on, if this is persistent, yeah. what happens? So definitely don't want to downplay it. Definitely don't want to downplay <laughs> it. But it, it, you know, on a, on a, on a larger scope, like, yes, like there were a lot of people stuck in this environment that where problems were becoming apparent that I don't, you know, were they thought about by somebody that was in the, yeah, you yeah. know, maybe, maybe not. I, I, I would assume so, but I, again, I, I don't know cause I was not involved in that, but problems became more and more apparent to me. First of all, the sanitation was becoming an issue, right? Yeah. That was, that became an issue and um, was slowly being rectified. I think that's one of the biggest issues. Um, it started to set in again when I said that story about the, the the people kind of like their faces. And there was more and more people at the hospital. Like there were a lot of beds. Oh, interesting. Up, like a lot of, and you know, just when we brought somebody in or was we were taking shifts in there, like there was a lot of people there and a lot of it was triage. And although we were getting around the city, the only real people that could get somebody off the city off the playa was the BLM Rangers because they had like the, they had the nice, like BRP drive vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. They had stuff. And that, that was, that was really, I mean, they, they, I know when COVID started, you were in the blue yellow hazmat suits. Like that's what they were kind of wearing, driving around these, these, uh, windshieldless, uh, BRPs. But, um, that was, that was one of the things that we ended up um, like the only air asset that could come in was land on the road. And, um, but the only way to get there was with the BLM guys. And so um, they transport patients in the back uh, of, of their QRVs. Um, but what that meant is that there was a l- significant amount of triage, like um, really it was a critical level calls were the ones that were leaving. Like, and, and, just sometimes even going to going to calls and having to say to them like we're, we're leaving them here. It was like on like on the air uh, medical direction saying, you know, just leave them there, which was yeah. I hadn't been involved in a triage model since COVID started when that was that was the first thing. So that was a little intense for me. Um, just and when you have when you tell somebody we're going to leave you here, like they don't yeah. like hearing that, you know, no, they, of they course not. They don't like hearing that. And that's right. Everyone's yeah. emergency is, you know, we're all uh, yeah. the main one main character in our lives. And <laughs> when we're like expecting uh, a level of care and again, like not to sort of, you know, disparage anyone because here, but there's a lot of people who are also very wealthy that go to this thing who have a very high expectation. This is like where they kind of like let their hair down and can like be in the environment. But when all of a sudden, like the illusion of uh, austerity becomes the reality of austerity. Yeah. Uh, you see this a lot in disasters, right? Like people who stick it out for hurricanes and stuff. And they're like, I've been through this. Like, I'm not worried about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap. And you call 911 and they go, there's no one coming to get you. We told you to leave. We do not have a response unit. That's when that reality changes. So did that cause like a huge amount of anxiety within the folks? And what about like you as responders? Like, how are you sort of managing it? You know, I think the thing to, to bear in mind is that I don't know if that sentiment on a, like, you know, when one person believes something, right. And then multiple yeah. people start believing yeah, it, yeah. like it, it compounds and, and it creates like, you know, 
let's say a mob, right? Like figuratively, yeah. right? Like I don't, that didn't happen in this moment because there was such a big support structure of volunteers. Like the ESD yeah. stations were open. Like people could, like, it wasn't like, like at first, yes, there was like very few people. Like there was, there was no, like th- there was very few people out. Like people were hunkering down, but even the yeah. participants were hunkering down. Right. Yeah. Um, like, but once it started, once people started coming out and like, you know, coming out and seeing, seeing the world, um, that, that sentiment didn't evolve too much. Now okay. on my level, like I found that it did because I just saw people that we were going to leave. Right. Yeah. And we were just going to say, you know, you gotta, you gotta wait here. Like get away here. Like that's, that's a, that's the deal. Um, and it, but it was like going back to the dog people, like it, it, it was, it's like, like they walk out of a really nice trailer and there's a huge generator, you know, and there's showers and there's food and, you know, like, it's like the idea of like self, like radical self-reliance, like where, where are we basing it off of? Right. Like yeah. the same thing with the hurricanes, like is somebody coming? Is somebody not coming? Like there are people showing up, like the, the, the emergency response didn't yeah, stop yeah. by any means. Sure. There are people showing up, but it's like, it's like when you realize that even like, even at the top level of the medical food chain, like we like the helicopter can't land. Like there was a moment the helicopter can't land. Like the weather's bad. Like that, that, that just shows like there it's, it's not just you. Right. Like, um, and, and I guess it's hard to put myself in the shoes of these participants because I don't know if they necessarily saw that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's surreal. Like it's surreal. Like it's the reality of, of it's the reality of, of like emergency response, like not, we're not like, we're not, we're not paragons. Like we can't, we can't push the bounds of what the resources are available. Like there's just, you know, there's just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So. And it's an interesting sort of microcosm. Like I, I, you know, thinking about it, it's, there's some lessons learned there for any, uh, EMS agency, right? Like, or, or first response agency, like there's going to be times like, I mean, even Vermont had a bunch of flooding recently, and, you know, communities were cut off for periods of times and, and the water was too high to trans, you know, to get transport vehicles and stuff. And, you know, hopefully uh, water rescue resources get to you possibly. But like, you know, any community in the country essentially could find itself in a situation where no help is coming. So getting to sort of like learn from you all who were there and how that process worked, I think, is actually like pretty important. Um and so, like, maybe as we wrap this up, like, talk about, like, what is it that you got out of this that, like, you're, you know, going to take with you in your career? And then maybe what did you get out of this as, like, just a personal, you know, person attending, you know, Burning Man, you know, even even in your role? Definitely the idea that, like, one thing we didn't talk about is, like, the barter economy. Out of yeah. Man. Like, once you get there, you pe- people pay to get in. Once sure. you get there, like the interactions that you have with people are, are, are people, you know, we call it a barter economy, but largely people just give, give things away. Right. Yeah. And that is something that I have not been a part of, but was really telling because even when things got bad, like people were giving, you know, like it wasn't like, oh, this is my stuff. And right. This is my, yeah, you know. could have hoarded it at that point. And exactly. Like this was. Like that is something else that I think really impacted the whole response to it is that people were 
generous they were giving. Like, they, you know, you could, there's a term like the playa will provide. People say that. And it's, it's largely because, like, if you're in a bind, like, people, like, you can find resources within this community, right? Um, it's basically social capital, which is actually, like, the best measurement for outcome of a disaster. It's really, like, if you want to see how resilient a community is, you see about the level of trust and um, openness to, like, sharing resources and skill sets yeah. and stuff. It's a, it's a huge marker for resiliency. I, it's... It's so true. And I think that's really what showed itself here. That's really what showed itself here on, on so many levels. And, you know, the, the organization pushes for that. And, um, you know, there's, there's a safety net beyond that, but the organization really does push on that. So that's, that's one of the things I, I think I really learned. Um, and, and the other, the other interaction is just talking to people and, and interacting and like deescalating, um, situations. And then, you know, the soft skills is something that's, the soft skills is something that is so important um, with with a, with, a, with a plethora of, of of situations, especially in emergency response. Um, and and if that can be generated into the whole educational framework, um, even more so. And, I, and it's kind of like an off-topic thing, but um, there was a great course which is taught a lot in the South called the CIT training for um, first responders. It's like a forty-hour course that really deals with like Christ intervention training. Um, and it's, uh, based on like the Memphis model, they call it. Um, but that was a couple, I took that like last year and it was really good at like intro to mental health. Right. And, um, I think that like Burning Man compounded with that type of education, um, just, I don't know, changed my, um, change my perception of, of dealing with people and from like the direct patient care all the way up to like, to like managing interactions and managing people and p- dynamics of people in large groups and, and, and inhibition, right. A burning man removes a lot of inhibition and takes people down to the core of their desires and what they like to do and, and want to do. And, um, how to put it like instead of assuming this is the outlier, assuming it's the norm or, or, or not, not assuming, but instead of assuming it's the outlier, like the idea of like drugs are bad, right? Like that concept, like not saying that it's a good thing to do or a healthy thing to do, but saying <laughs> like, it's a, it's, it's going to happen and people are going to do this right. and it, they're not a bad person for sure. doing this. And like, it doesn't make them a bad person. And, your judgment of them should not like as much as we try to like take away our biases, like, like really like saying like, look, it just, it's a part of this environment. And, and at Burning Man, it's, it's a commonality. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of affluence at Burning Man. There's a lot of like, it's not, if you have a perception of the type of person that goes to Burning Man, you're probably wrong. It's probably, you know, it's a yeah. different type of person. There's people from yeah. all walks of life here. So like understanding that and saying, well, you know, like that's a, that's a interesting point. That's something. So, uh, the last few years I've been going to New York comic con, not burning man by any means, 
but a niche environment where everyone can sort of let their hair down and embrace their, you know, nerd and geek culture. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've gotten out of that is the fact that like all of a sudden there's this environment where people can be themselves and be comfortable with themselves. And like people aren't judging them the way that they do. And every time I go, as I'm leaving, I'm like, man, it sucks. I'm gonna have to wait a year to experience this again, because, you know, all your insecurities come flooding back the minute you step outside of this, you know, like safe space for, you know, you and your fellow geeks. And I'm sure it's the exact same thing there. And yeah, maybe we all need to sort of like try to embrace the playa, you know, uh, nationally, internationally, you know, give, uh, as much as we can, uh, the other thing you talked about, there was a uh, a book that just came out. I haven't read it, but I listened to a podcast on it um, called The Myth of Normal. And it's a lot mm-hmm. about addiction and trauma and stuff. And like, you know, just uh, a lot of we, we box ourselves into these situations and we box other people into their situations because of our perceptions and stuff. So, you know, it is cool to go to these things where all of a sudden that is broken down. So that's, I think a really important thing, especially as an EMS provider, right? Like uh, the thing about first response that I miss, cause I don't do it anymore is you are on the front step of reality. Like you are, you get a front row seat to reality and you see people in all sorts, sorts of vulnerable positions and environments and you see life at it's like best and worst. Right. And, uh, if you're not careful, you can start to project, onto these folks, you know, drug addicts, you know, uh, lazy people, blah, blah, blah. Like you can get beaten down and start to believe the, the negative stories about them. Uh, but of course, when you are sitting there talking to them, you're like, Oh, like you had a extremely traumatic life. You're just trying to literally get through your day to day. And this is the way that you know how. And who am I to judge that? Because I'm from an entirely different experience. And there's probably situations that I'm in where I wish people would just be like, leave him alone. Like he's just getting through it, right? (laughs) Like, uh, you know, try to help out in the best way you can. So I think that's a good message to sort of end on. Um, we will definitely have you back cause we're going to talk about the film, the, the, you know, totally different world, equally fascinating and interesting, uh, of managing emergencies on film and TV sets. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, there's some discussion about a drunk Greek, po- uh, 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 ship captain. There's, uh, uh, hanging out of helicopters and all this stuff that uh, Jacob had to make up on the fly uh, as a person put into a position where, um, I don't know, half the time, I don't think you knew what you were hired to do and you just had to do it. So uh, pretty more, exciting more stuff. More to come. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Thank you so much, uh, Jacob. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, doing round two, because this is our second recording of this. Yeah. So. Uh, Like, subscribe, comment, do all that fun stuff and uh, share this uh, because I think this is there's some good lessons out of this. And uh, are you going to go back? Are you going to go back to Burning Man? Oh, for sure. Every every year if I can. Oh, yeah. You're a lifer now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. uh, Just great, great experience. Great meeting people and the friendships. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jacob. Thank you.